0: Welcome to In the Deep. I'm your host, Catherine Ingram. The following is excerpted from a session of Dharma Dialogues held in Lennox Head, Australia, in June of 2019. It's called, Kindness in Harsh Times. You may also want to check out our upcoming events for Melbourne and Hobart in November 2019, our five-day retreat in New Zealand in April 2020, and our 10-day retreat in Italy, starting in late October 2020. I was just reflecting on kindness. Kindness. Lovely fragrance, just saying the word. And I was thinking about how sometimes I am challenged to be kind in certain circumstances because the kindness impulse is going up against the discerning or judging impulse. And how sometimes people can be very challenging and it doesn't engender feelings of kindness toward them even though they may be most in need of it and we I think in in the last I don't know how long it's been it seems a long time that it's been this sort of meme in the culture that you don't enable people and you don't coddle because it reinforces certain types of habits and things like that and I think it's probably good to err on the side of being overly generous in this regard. That sometimes people are just at their edge; they're they're beaten down, and the difference between them snapping and not snapping, or falling into some horrible depression, or acting out, or having an accident, or whatever might simply be just a kind word or a kind offering to them my brother the one who died he was often in some sort of crisis not harmful to others really but but to himself and not kind of not kind of taking care of himself and and consequently, he was often very, very distressed. He had a hard, hard life. And, and I would mostly hear be the one that would be hearing about all the terrible things of his day and, and being with him while he's crying and, and so on. And I would be accused of coddling him and enabling him and, and that kind of thing by my family. They didn't have as much tolerance for it. And, um, and I must say that now in this great hindsight, it's been quite a lot of years since his death, all I can think is I wish I had been more kind. I wish I had been more there for him. I wish I had, you know, like that scene in Schindler's List, where he's holding up the ring a ring that he had and he's saying, why didn't I sell this to I could have saved you know five more people with this ring you know like that it's like so, um, so this is yet another thing I think we have to challenge in the culture because things are getting harsher and yeah I would I would. And I do challenge it um, in my own case with situations where I'm called upon to kind of find some deeper understanding, some deeper well of kindness, even in the face of someone acting out or, or it might appear that this person is making a mess and being unkind themselves. In my hometown, where I grew up, yesterday, there was a mass shooting. Twelve people were shot, and killed. The shooter was also shot and killed, that he's number 13, and now there's also people who are in critical condition. And it all happened quite near where my family is and where they would go at the courthouse where this the civil building. Um, None of my family are involved in it except to the degree that it increases anxiety uh, in their thoughts and in their lives. And no doubt they're one degree of separation from someone who did die. Um, And I was looking at the picture of the shooter whose face looked very nice, but who obviously had been pressed to his limit Right. He'd been a he'd been a city employee and engineer for many years. Even that day he walked in and said hello to somebody and but he snapped, obviously. And we are now living in a time where the pressures are mounting. There's more and more anxiety. There's a lot of stress. And it's going to really I think we're going to be called upon to offer a lot of understanding going forward into our next phase as these pressures mount right and it will challenge each of us because it will seem at times where that you just feel like no, that person should be you know beaten down good good that they're beaten down you know but that's obviously not going to help. And the thing about kindness is that it is also kind to yourself to feel. So, of course, when I heard about this thing yesterday, you know, in my thoughts I'm saying I'm going to look up, I want to see the face of this monster. Instead, I see this nice-looking person who has a very sweet open face. Right, And in my mind, in this instant, I said to myself, some pressure's mounted, and he snapped. Maybe he was the recipient of a lot of unkindness or a lot of feeling as a failure. That's often what the motivation is in these mass shootings. For many, many years... My New Year's resolution, I mean, we're going back to like the 80s. Every single year I had the same one, be more kind. So it's something I'm still working on.
1: (laughs) I guess it, it just makes me wonder why, you know, why is everything accelerating and becoming so much more, anxious. You know, I see it even in my own children and they have a very relaxed upbringing compared to most. They don't have a lot of stress and yet somehow they're anxious. You know, it's almost like the anxiety of the world is sort of projected. Yes. (laughs) Even onto people who actually have a very... um,
0: Comparatively easy
1: life. Easy life. And I just wonder why? Why is it happening?
0: Why? Well, <laughs> um, it's getting really crowded. It's, frankly, there's too many humans, for one thing. We're at 7.7 billion, and everything I read in the science says that this planet can support sustainably at this level, about a billion. So we're way overshot in terms of use of resources, and that comes with a lot of stress and pressure, naturally. Um, We're subject to hearing the news, like your children, even though they are living an easier life than many others, most others, no doubt. But they're privy to the information, um, Right? Because they're all linked up. So they're hearing about, they're seeing on Facebook or whatever social media they're on. Um, They're seeing on the various programs, no doubt, that they're watching. Um, So there's an intensification of the information. At the same time, there's a lot of, you know, uh, violence and, uh, and darkness rolling through the world. Um, of course, we're all experiencing the change of our climate, of our very ecosystem that we have put so far out of balance. The kids are onto that, right? And that's becoming, especially among the youth, that's becoming very much uh, their primary issue. So their future... There's a line in a song that I love, an old, old song predates your life um, by Quicksilver in which there's a line, he says, and I feel the future trembling, right? They feel the future trembling. I feel the future trembling. We can have some kind of discussion if we want about how we don't really See the future, etc. But we're sensitive creatures. We can. We're picking up the vibes. The, 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 you know, there's 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 static on the line. Of what we're picking up. So, yes, I think that this is the time to, in addition to kindness, um, for each of us to find very profound ways to stay calm ourselves I think that's going to be really needed and for your children for everyone you're engaged with for everyone you meet for your family um, just to kind of be an island of calm in the midst of it just as many people in history have had to be that in very dire circumstances I think there's going to be a lot of that happening now it is happening. It's happening in lots of the world. We're still living in these bubbles in which we have these conversations as though it's all theoretical. There are millions and millions of people who are not so privileged. The human Just this past week, the human rights organizations have made a joint statement that there is a huge humanitarian crisis in Syria because of so much violence. There's millions of people at risk of death by violence in Syria right now. And this is going on in South America, all over Africa. I mean, just in pockets all over the world. And barrios and slums and everywhere, you know. And um, so it's a tough time, you know. No wonder your kids are feeling anxious. You know, one of my girlfriends was telling me the other day that she had just watched this Scorsese film about George Harrison. And she was saying, you should watch it. And I realized I had this tiny resistance when she said that. And I thought, why? And I realized sometimes when I see those reminders of that that era, it makes me sad because I remember... How it felt when I'm looking at those images and hearing the music i i I have an entrainment to that time, and I feel we are so far from that time mm-hmm. you know it that was a that was an incredible time, and we took it for granted naturally, as one does but but somehow it's the same reason I don't look at the photographs of my brother that are sitting in a box and have not been opened since his death um you know it's 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 too all too poignant you know and you know it's 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 a different time now now that doesn't mean there's less possibility for love you know maybe we've got to find a deeper deeper much deeper well A love to sit in. A love that has to accept the really unacceptable. You know? Because back in those days, that era I'm speaking about, even though there were difficult things happening, we had hope. We had massive amounts of hope. We thought we were going to change the world, rearrange the world. You know? And... (laughs)
1: Kind of makes it difficult to know how to talk to your children about this now because um you know there's always been this mantra of positivity and you have to be positive and everything's gonna be fine. But actually you can't really say that to your children. You can't say that everything's gonna be fine. So it's quite hard to know how to talk to them about the future uh, without it becoming really gloomy and and even increasing their anxiety. Right so yeah. it's actually it's quite quite difficult I think I
0: so hear you and I really feel for the parents of young children I feel for them very deeply and I know that they're all uh, I have a number of friends who are looking at these issues and who have children um, some of them have teenage children and those teenage children are becoming very woke as they say in terms of what's going on and um, and are looking at the possibility that they are not going to have, they can't expect to have, these are young people thinking, I don't have, expect to have a long life. And this is a conversation, Who? I mean, when can we remember in our time that parents would be having these kinds of conversations with their own children, even though... Um, Many times in history, that was the case. You know, plagues came along or Vikings landed or whatever. You know, there were horrible things that happened and changed life as they knew it. But this is a new, we have crossed a Rubicon into a new territory that I don't think humans have yet faced. And it's really hard. But again, I think you, have to come to a place of first of all your own deep quiet in this and that's not to be expected to be a consistent quiet because it sometimes really isn't and sometimes the sorrow of the whole thing overwhelms but to come to a recognition for your child, for for what you can offer, which is a a sweet and loving home and a good life for as long as, as they can have it. That's all that anybody is going to be able to offer now. I'm taking this liberty to say this to you and unfortunately it's going to be going out to a lot of other people who aren't ready but you are a scientist and I know that these are not surprising facts for you um, so um, I have taken a little bit of liberty here but as a mo- I'm, for you as a mother it's a very different conversation and um, and I have been surprised by the descriptions of my friends who have teenagers who are looking at this, how strong they are. I've been really impressed. Now I've been asking myself, and I've even asking my friends, do you think it's because their brains aren't very fully developed and they don't understand fully? I have a feeling about teenagers that they don't they feel invincible and immortal. So maybe it's just some idea to them or whatever, but. My friends assure me that, no, they're getting it. Um, so then it throws you into the question of, do you want to be prepared yourself? And might there be some benefit in them being a little prepared? Or maybe not. Maybe you'll think you'll only you as a mother will know your children Uh, Maybe it makes sense to just be agnostic on the conversation with them, which is also a fair enough position. You can easily say, who knows how it's going to play out. Um, You know, you could not have to paint a picture of gloom and doom at the same time not to paint necessarily a rosy picture that says it's going to work out but let them come to their own decisions or conclusions about things as we go. Do you you think there is um, a role to play
1: for hope? That one can always hope that there might be a slim chance, but there's still some hope that maybe we can turn things around if we really try? And I know certainly a lot of the scientists I speak to, um, they haven't lost hope yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I know that quite a lot of them are, are close to it depending on what field right. they're working in.
0: Yes. Um, and some have, have actually, maybe they wouldn't say I've lost hope exactly in those words, but they don't see a pathway. But, okay, let's just say, who knows... Um, Maybe there's a chance. I mean, I heard David Suzuki say he thinks maybe there's a 5% chance. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, it's, um, let's, I think what we can say is that life as we have known it in the kind of abundance that we have enjoyed is very likely going to change. Very drastically. Whether we make it through in terms of survival is another question. One can be much more agnostic about that. But I think there's not much of a chance that we're going to be maintaining this set of living arrangements as we have been for much longer. So um, that has to be has to be addressed and and processed and. You know, there's a lot of, uh, I mean, I've been talking a lot recently about using the phrase um, deep acceptance, you know. Just keep, there's certain words that I find helpful, you know. Acceptance, kindness, go to quiet. And part of it also is releasing certain pictures one has about the future like part of what's painful is you have a picture about the future that starts to fade it starts to tremble right so to release the pictures and then really stay with this very experience of the now right I mean it's kind of weirdly what we've been talking about in Dharma circles Forever, we've been, this has been the, the point. We've been on a lot. And also with knowing that there's no guarantee about life, there's no guarantee of longevity for any anybody. All those people who went to work yesterday in my hometown, right? And so it's not that far a stretch. It's not a completely out of the blue stretch to think that we don't know how this is going to play out. But it's, it's dicey. <laughs> and I also think that it's, it's helpful. I mean, it's been my experience with working with a lot of people in this, in this conversation over some years now, that it's helpful to start metabolizing this information more that a lot of freedom comes with that, a lot of clarification about priorities, um, a lot of love, a lot of tenderness, a lot of letting go about a lot of goals that— and even goals for your children, right? One of my friends, the other night I was talking to him, his son was in the other room. His son is a junior in high school. He was in the other room writing a paper. He was going to present to his teacher, explaining why he's not going to the. He's not going to go to his senior year. He's basically saying, "I don't see the point. I don't think we have much time." That's what he's saying in his paper. And I'm sure he, his father, is telling me the story. And it's, it's going to be surprised to the teacher. She's not. She doesn't. She doesn't see the world that way, but he does. Um. Yes, we're just in new territory. The difficult thing too is that,
1: um, you know, there's a lot of young people who really are wanting to act. Mm -hmm. You know, they're Mm -hmm. marching for climate and there's so many things going on and it's very hard to say to them, don't bother, because I think they feel like they need to be doing something and and having their voice heard.
0: And see, the thing is, one can take a position, which I personally think is beautiful, that says you act because it's the moral thing to do, right? You act and you offer what you can because it's just right. It's right to do that. And in a way, it's even more noble to act from that position than to act from a position of hope, it's a more, it's a more noble stance. It's a higher ground, in my way of seeing, that you keep. You know, you 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 keep. I like to sometimes say you, you vote with your life for the goodness. Even if it's even if it's not going to prevail, whether or not it does. And, and I think that is what, what is going on for a lot of the activists. Now, I think some activists have taken the position of there's nothing much to do. Maybe not so many of the young ones, but, um, well, some of the young ones, in fact, but but a lot of the longtime eco-warriors that I either know or know of have just decided to go off into quieter places and live out their days with their families. I think all of these responses are fair and it just depends on what your own constitution demands.
2: I think it raises a question, and this question comes up in me when I think about things like Extinction Rebellion uh, and the you know the the school strikes and you know all of those things. <laughs> There's some part of me, which I think is also what you were saying, that is inspired by these movements. I can't help but Mm -hmm. feel inspired. Yeah. You know, I love the action and and I love the vision and I love the commitment and people getting arrested and being willing to go to jail, you know, gluing their breasts to buses. Do you know what I mean? And, like, you know, like like I think about, you know, the things I'm doing and I'm inspired. Yeah. And, and yet I also share um, the same perspective here that you do. And th- the question is, there's one, there's one, it's almost like the difference between giving up and surrender. And it's very, it's a very fine line somehow. Like surrender offers me something. And, and giving up seems to just take me down. <laughs> and I don't even know what the difference is there. Um,
0: so you're, you're using surrender as a more in the terms of acceptance mm. and giving up more like a, a sad resignation.
2: Yes, but there's only a wafer. A <laughs> <No> difference. <laughs>
0: Well, and that's I slide okay. slide
2: either side of the wafer.
0: That's okay. Yeah. Yeah, understandably, mm. right? Mm. Yeah.
2: Because mm. I, I think, too, it, the other thing that comes up in, always in this conversation is when I go there, which we do, <laughs> but when I go there, it does bring, It is. it does leave me feeling depressed. I can't help it. I feel sad. For the world, I have everything I see. I yeah. feel sad yeah. for that and I feel sad for that and I feel sad for this and, yeah. you know, does leave a, a, a pall over things. Yeah. And And yet I guess the old vision, you know, when you were talking about the Beatles, sorry, this is, I don't even know if I'm getting to a question here, just blabbering away. But <laughs> when I think about, you know, the time of the Beatles and, that whole revolution, which I was, you know, it happened later in Australia. So it was early 70s in Australia and I was just, you know, pre-teen. So I grabbed a little bit of it. Do you uh-huh. know what I mean? It was, I was very, you know, yeah. impressionable by it. But the, the vision of that time was uh, where everyone was freer, and there was more love mm-hmm. uh, and people were dropping out and,
0: you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. living
2: on the land and, you know, self-sufficient and happy, yeah, happy
0: you know, creative. Happy. Yep.
2: So there was that vision and so, so that's quite deep in me of what it would mean to have a good life. Yeah. But that good life doesn't really feel like it's on offer now. So there has to be some other version that gets created.
0: You know, in my essay, I have a line quoting Jonathan Franzen, who's an American author, who's won the National Book Award and but many awards, Um, and I love this line, even in a world of dying, there are new loves being born, right? And so to really just keep allowing yourself each day to find the new loves... Right? to find ways that something sparkles your heart or just they can be really tiny and maybe they need to be very tiny and it can't be this overall shared shiny vision that was so fun in that time. Maybe that was just a very unusual bloom that happened and seems to be, actually, seems to be an unusual bloom. Many other times of history have been hard, um, that one happened to be a really lovely one, um, but maybe our time now is having to include sadness and is having to include very the pain of intense empathy and is having to include finding the new loves despite all of this and maybe we don't have the luxury of that Feeling of a shiny future, which after all did turn out to be short lived. <laughs> um, you know, um, but maybe we have some other ways that we have to find to be human and to be our best version of a human. Just as many people have through time. Many, many, many people, many times were really hard. Oh my gosh. And many lives were hard the world over and and today even now as we are taught I mean this conversation that is the case, you know. Yeah. So it's it we can't just as I was saying, you can't be tormented by your future pictures we also can't be tormented by what went before right and we're thrown into we have to be grateful We, if we want to get through a day without going crazy we have to be really grateful for this very day and for what is here now we're going to have to get it right down to a tiny focus in a way, you know?
2: Which is, you know, I mean, that is the essence of that's always been the essence of of, of you know as a spiritual practice, hasn't it?
0: Yes.
2: Just just right, it's pushing it right in the
0: face. Yes. yes. Mm. It's how sweet the strawberry tasted, mm. right? With mm. the tigers above and the tigers below. Mm. And that is that. That is the teaching over and over again. And we get lured, we get, we get entranced into, uh, you know, kind of these dreamlike states in our kind of dreamlike paradises that we move around in. <laughs> so, it, it's, I, I mean, I think sadness is part of it. I do. Sadly, <laughs> Yes, sadly, it's part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, thank
3: you. I think I got a bit excited. Um, I mean, I don't hold on to hope about we're going to find some solution and continue on. Yeah. I hold on to this kind of strange hope that we're going to come together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that we're we're facing this common issue and it's going to bring to a head all these issues about connection and, you know, and between, you know. So it was really, you know, before the, the election, the Guardian was really gunning for the climate issue and it's a climate election. I just sort of had this little idea that Australians might wake up and, you know, and then when it didn't happen... I think it really depressed me mm. because I thought even in the face mm. of this, we're still going to be separate.
0: Well, you okay, know? I hear you, and, and that's a fair point if you think about the whole country. But we do live here in this mm. region, and I think that what may start to happen, yeah. there are signs and projections about this, mm-hmm. is that it may be that... A lot more local resilience starts uh-huh. to be where people turn. And, and there might be many different local resilient mm. communities mm. all over the world mm. that start to operate outside of the federal
3: governments. be... You know, wonderful. It'd be a great structure for Australia to do that—to yes. have communities and just enable. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then it's so and nice. And then each each community mm. has their own specific needs. You know, yeah. that it might be the needs for one community. I mean, it's it's the case for localization in any case, right? That the needs yeah. of one community community might be quite different. They than are of in yeah. Australia,
3: where it's so diverse. Such you know, diverse
0: land. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You
3: know. Yeah. But I guess it makes me realise just how many people in Australia, there's a majority that don't give a shit and hold certain values that I just don't hold. Like, you know, and then I kind of, you know, get this sort of jealousy of New Zealand and Jacinda Hearn and, like, the wellness thing. And it's like, and that's what I was hoping for, this sort of sense of, like, the system isn't working. Yippee. We've been saying that for ages. It's an opportunity to try a different life, to be different, for our governments to be different. And I just felt really bogged down by being in Australia. And Australian politics. And obviously there's a big subset of the, of the Australian population that really have very different ideas about the environment, about refugees, about, you know, all sorts but
0: of things. Time, but time will give the yeah. lessons. Mm. And, you know, it's going back to what I said at the beginning mm. about sometimes our ability to feel kindness... Toward some people, some groups of people, or specific people, um, is is hindered by our judgment, by our feelings that they don't deserve our kindness. <laughs> they're, you know, they're asleep or they're ignorant or whatever. And but the thing about ignorance is that it's just someone who hasn't noticed something. You know, it's it's like forgive them for they don't know what they do. that people don't realize that.
3: I think it's just when you feel that the impact of their ignorance yes. is having on things, you know, like it makes but me it's feel not, angry. It's,
0: it's not just you know? them.
3: But what do you think about anger in that face? Because it's hard to be kind when you feel angry, you know. And I... <laughs> No, I used to look okay. at America with Trump and oh, be yeah. like, oh, my God. And yeah. now I really, f- I mean, I've felt this about Australia for a long time anyway, but it's now it just feels again, you know, that the ignorance is harmful, you know.
0: And but ignorance always was. And how far back do we go to start laying the blame? How far back? The first people who got into agriculture, because agriculture allowed a lot of population growth, Or maybe go back further, you know, (laughs) discovering fire or or crawling out of the ocean. I mean, how far back should we lay the blame, right? Where did ignorance start? And so, you know, and I know in my own case, in my own life, I've been ignorant about many, many, many things that I look back on those positions now and think... I just didn't know. I didn't have enough life experience yet. So to really just reframe it in your heart, and this is for you, right? For you. Like the kindness is to yourself. To say, okay, well, time is going to be giving the lessons. I don't need to, right? Time is going to be delivering the syllabus. And... And a lot of people have moved a great distance. Um, you know, it, it, we don't learn fast as a species and probably we don't learn fast
3: enough at this point. But Do you think there's any role for anger, however? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, in very, very constructive described situations like a righteous anger can be a kind of a kind of lighting the fuse of energy right but it's the problem with it is that it's impossible to be sustained it will drain you it will make you sick
3: but it naturally can arise. So I can be quite spiritual, I just suppress my anger. But the no, reality no. is that it is an experience. Oh, yeah, yeah. That,
0: no, that of help. course it's going to arise. And I don't suggest suppression, I suggest understanding. Let it arise and then go to the understanding. Just as it did for me this morning, looking at the picture of the person who just shot up my town. You know, I, I was expect I had anger. And I, I said to myself, I want to see the face of this monster, mm-hmm. right? And then I see this nice-looking face, like, really open face, like somebody you'd be happy to talk to on the bus, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, to really just... And people are afraid, and they're afraid for their jobs, and they, you know they, and a lot of people are their days are just this rollout of like drone work, like just getting through, right? kind of 10 steps behind the, themselves. And they don't have the luxury to think more deeply. In a way, deep consideration has been another privilege we've had deep consideration, you know. I said recently on that uh, interview with Nick um, that, um, you know, I flew into Bangkok on the way to Italy last year. I had to lay over one night in Bangkok. And flying in at about 1,000 feet up, I could see out of both sides of the plane, out of all sides, actually, really, because we kept flying, so i could keep looking around. Um, I could not see a horizon that wasn't lights on in th- every direction. The sprawl was. I hadn't been. I hadn't been there since the early '80s, I was maybe '84 or something like that. Um, <laughs> right. There are a lot of these mega-cities now where everyone on the ground is just bustling around, hustling. Their day is hustling. And there's probably not a lot of ecological reflection <laughs> in these places. Another friend told me uh, from South Korea, and he said that now in South Korea, so much pollution is blowing into South Korea from China which has also started to implement CFCs again, which have been banned. Um, but that's not the air pollution that's now going into South uh, Korea. Um, but it's so bad that anyone who can afford is has to have a house filter for their air, to breathe their air in South Korea because of the China pollution that's coming into their homes, you know. So it's... Where do we start to lay the blame? These are people who want to have an economic life like we've enjoyed all these years, right? It just goes on and on like this. So, yes, I know I know the impulse. I know it well in my own case. Mm-hmm. And I know how impossible it is to maintain. And also, once I see through it, I also see how what a folly it is to bother to try to maintain it because... It's like if you look deeply at anybody's circumstance, usually your heart just breaks for them, you know? You know? They're afraid. A lot of people are afraid. And they're holding on to dear life, to what little thing they've cobbled together, right? <laughs>
3: Yeah, I just feel for that that whatever time is left, that the opportunity that that presents to be different and to interact different gets eclipsed by this continuing in a really dead, destructive system.
0: But that that very thing that you're seeing is the transformation for you Mm -hmm. that is going to make, that will put you in the position of being on the cross saying, forgive them, mm-hmm. right? That put That's the transformation mm-hmm. that I'm speaking about today. At the beginning, I said, sometimes kindness is hard to come by because your discernment and your judgment are making it impossible because you think these people actually deserve your condemnation.
3: Yeah, and even if it's not condemnation, it's sometimes it's just wanting to say something when you know it's pointless. You know, yeah. I had this experience last night, and I was talking to my nephew, and then um, he said, "I oh, don't tell the other nephew. He, you know, he'll get upset." And of course, I just went in and told him, "You know, you should do, you know, blah blah blah," and he got upset and left the room. And, I was uh-huh. like, and what I wasn't being nasty; I was just, you know, helping him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yes. You know, just, and this, so sometimes I, I sort of feel really frustrated with this sense of you just got to shut up all the time, you know. And then and then what do you do with that frustration and anger oh, by yes. seeing things, not being able to say anything, having to pretend, and that's not real
0: no. kindness.
3: And pointing things out when it's not going to help people isn't kindness either. So. When you're living in that way where people are blind and it hurts them to become unblind, you've got to also be blind or you've got to be gagged or something. You know, there just isn't a lot of freedom in that. You know? I find it frustrating.
0: Yeah, no, I, I know, of course. Um, but, I mean, I'll quote the Buddha. Uh, he, you know, he said, always speak the truth, but only the truth that's skillful. Mm-hmm. And there are times when the skillful thing is to not speak. And, and it's not a a, a lie. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's in service to the greater good. It's in service to the higher good. You know that we don't always have to speak every that we passionately feel. And no, we're in, we're in new ground now, right? And it's gonna cause. A lot of uh, a lot of very painful transformation in each of us, right? Um, but the other side of that can be some kind of freedom, you know, where you get to you start living uh, like I, I was thinking about this recently, how, and I spoke about it a few weeks ago how your own self-referencing just becomes irrelevant, right? It just becomes, you're just so uninterested in it. There's such a bigger show, right? Um, and, you, and your whole system starts to move much more in thoughts that are we thoughts, right? And, and that also include, you know, the, the people who are not exactly on our wavelength, Right, We inevitably think about them, too. Um, but I'm going to come right back to your point about, well, to, to emphasize this understanding of having a local life here and having local resilience here, which will include Dharma resilience and a lot of sharing that we're going to be needing to do in all ways right so let's take heart in these ways that we can and not worry about the mass of ignorance out there it's huge mm-hmm. it's massive it always was, but now there just went way more people and they're in a lot more stress than they used to be.
3: Yeah, I mean, this is all predicted. Karl Marx wrote the Communist Manifesto early on predicting the outcome of capitalism, you yes, know. Yes, yes. But here it is. It's like in our faces. It's I suppose faces. I just thought, oh, now no one can deny that it's not working, but apparently oh, yeah. you can keep Yes, denying.
0: oh, yeah, Deni- denial, denial is... Forevermore. Yeah, definitely. Yes, people can deny. People deny their own death on the day they're dying (laughs) right
3: somehow this is helpful with my anger and I sort of feel like the anger is there is fear underneath the anger Mm -hmm. like a sense of desperate waking up
0: well and it was and it was also a little connected to hope wasn't it that you had a hope that okay finally when it's like the house is the cri- on fire.
3: It's a the crisis, like the floods in Brisbane and every, everyone yeah. just stopped work and got together and it was yeah. all really nice and I'm waiting for that. <laughs> but it's, you know, maybe that will happen, maybe it won't.
0: Yeah. Yeah, or yeah. some versions of it may happen or other kinds of things that one had maybe hoped don't happen. And so it, you start to have a much lighter relationship with all of this and mm. think you you can't really predict how it is going to go. Um, mm-hmm. in how it plays out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. but I, w- I would say to keep it simple mm-hmm. and realize that you're having your own dharma resilience is the only thing you need to be worried about, mm-hmm. right? That will see you through, that'll help everybody around you.
3: Can you just define Dharma resilience?
0: It's really what we're talking about here—that you, that you, you keep doubling down on kindness, on acceptance, on openness, on seeing out there not enemies but just people who don't yet know, um, and um, willingness to be used however you're needed, without a big story about how that should be or shouldn't be. Um, Dharma resilience, right? Going to quiet, like having a deep, profound relationship with your own quiet that says, okay, come what may. And that's going to be, I would say, a mantra that we need, you know, just, right? To just keep. So for me, back in all all these years of the climate immersion, every new piece of information I would get, and I was studying it every day, it was coming in like new stabs, like it was the death of a thousand cuts, right? And now the the information is rolling in more than ever. Um, But it's like... It's not coming in as stab stabbings any longer. It's it's coming in as it's coming into a quiet ground.
4: I guess I came to just be a part of the conversation, and this has been um, a deep consideration for a long time, and. Uh, I don't know if you know of the teacher called Stephen Jenkinson
0: Canada. I do yes, I don't yeah. know him personally, but
4: yes yeah, I've yes. been studying with him the last years, and
0: oh, and he was just here he was
4: yeah. I had some very privileged close time, and this has been the the consideration in his efforts and his his work uh, yeah. his work his- you know it's a there's a capacity for engaging in this, that he calls a skill in brokenheartedness, Mm -hmm. that um, in different language, dharma, resilience, I'm transposing, and I'm, I think for me, it's been a, it's a practice of just non-aversion, not turning away from the, uh, the brokenheartedness without collapsing into it. And he, he talks about um, rather being not attaching to hope or, but not collapsing into hopelessness and it's yes. a state of being hope-free. Yes, yes, yes. And it's, it's all the same practice and skill and wisdom that we've been given from a thousand <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> different lineages. And um, and I um, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to yeah be in the conversation be a part of uh, I guess the for me the consideration of you know what, what matters where do I matter yeah. where does my voice or my action have consequence or serve whether it's to shut up or <laughs> yeah. to apply the skillful means of I don't know just aching with or yeah you know, or maybe it's planting fruit and trees, and the, you know the
0: yes. the
4: the dilemma in my own world, and it's just like having I've been a part of a few very um, aspirational and um, uh, wonderful experiments in communal living from those days where George Harrison was our soundtrack. Yes, <laughs> and the yes. you know the beauty of that, and the the place to hold that still as a as a resource. Yes. And not let it all become like ash in my fingers and the Mm -hmm. gone, Mm -hmm. gone, gone.
0: beautiful.
4: So it's a kind of paradoxical place that I'm in where I had the, you know, I see now in a way the blessing of having my whole structure torn away and deaths and endings and all the human stuff, you know, and still here I am living in the north coast of... Mm -hmm. you know it's pretty lucky you know very lucky it's extraordinary lucky and I had the means to go I've been going to Canada a lot and you know those um really were the efforts of the of those of us that have the means and the I don't know the good karma or something to be having space to consider these things and uh so I don't know, there's some kind of marriage around now. Okay, where, do, you know, it's like look to your water, look to your mm-hmm. food and look to the, um, you know, Stephen uses the term village, you know, village mindedness. Yes. And I've been using these, These yeah, the, the, it's like the work that I'm doing or cultivating more of is, is basically in ways we can... Create skillful, you know, resilience in so many ways. Because, and you know, the invitation to despair and to yeah uh, paralysis, freeze, you know, inaction is just everywhere. Or it's fury and anger, and it's you know, or so it's, it's kind deni- of
0: or denial, denial or, all or, of that. Or, or sometimes you know, um, one of my friends wrote a paper which is fantastic, and it has to do with the it's like the trauma of ecological yeah. awareness, right? And and the, the psychology of it and that his position is, and he can links it to a lot of the addiction, that because we're living so far from our base of life, right? Yeah. And, and because we're living so far and disconnected from nature that it's actually ca- causing uh, psychopathy in a, in a lot of people,
4: right? Yeah. And, yeah, 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 yeah. I do a lot of reading too that...
0: That goes along <laughs> those to be lines. careful
4: not to re-traumatize myself. Often. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of the...
0: Of that, yeah. So. The
4: science of it and the wisdom of it and the... Yeah, and it's to be yeah. aware, just the, the opportunity to remember the silence has been really helpful.
0: Yes, yes. And more and more so. You know, we just did this retreat in New Zealand and you know th- this this awareness is never very far from my consciousness you know but i've noticed i've been i've been through several quite a few silent retreats since i've been on this subject in this way and i notice every time i'm, I'm in a silent retreat even though the the same kind of material is rolling through it's so calm it's so quiet it's like there's this this profound acceptance um you know, and I get back into my workaday world and busyness, right? And then an onslaught of information coming in of all sorts—not just climate stuff, but all kinds of things—and you know, and um, I can feel that it's it, it changes its power in terms of my the quiet that's looking through, like through which I'm looking at it. But one of the things I would I'm recommending to myself and to everyone is to start having a lot more of that quiet time, a lot more of that quiet, you know? Mm -hmm. And that all these little bits of information we're juggling that are pointless, really, um, we could probably dump half of them or more. And, And to really start to know that that's also going to be part of this is that, you know... For those of us who start developing this very strong habit, it just makes you all the stronger.
4: Yes. Down to the roots of it. Yeah.
0: Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. This has been In the Deep. You can find the entire list of In the Deep podcasts at katherineingram.com, where you can also book a private session by phone or Skype or make either a one-time or a recurring tax-deductible donation. Assuming you like these podcasts, we would also appreciate a review wherever you're getting yours. Till next time.